Hi there, and welcome to Dork Wars the Podcast, your galactic hub for all things Star Wars. I'm here with some of the best hosts in the galaxy. First off, the funny one, Wesley. Your Schwartz is almost as big as mine. What's up, dorks? And we are running low on hosts tonight, so I had to grab someone from Red 5 real quick, which is great. I always love having our Red 5 family on. DJ from Rogue One Radio. How's it going, DJ? Absolutely fantastic, and you are watching now. I mean, like, right now. Now. <laughs> I like it. When? Now? When was then? Then is now. Yeah, then was then, but this is now. Well, when will then be now? <laughs> awesome I, stuff. I tell awesome you what. stuff. We're already into we it, We just met, but you can stay. We like you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> So DJ is part of the Rogue One Radio podcast, a great podcast, part of our Red 5 network. Uh, Why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, Rogue One Radio, DJ? Well, Rogue One Radio is a trio of hosts. So I have myself and Steve Long and Nicole uh, from Peace Love Star Wars. Uh, And we gather together and we talk about all things nerd, uh, Star Wars, Marvel, um yeah we do we do a little bit of everything there uh we throw in a little bit of uh, music uh just to break up the monotony and yeah we just have fun with it very good awesome great podcast i love listening to these guys and uh dork wars the podcast is going to start getting into some other nerd culture stuff outside of star wars we've stuck pretty closely to star wars i mean there's always some star wars coming out now been a year and three but, months, um, and we've we've only done Star Wars. I know, I know, and, and we're we're gonna branch out, and it's it's uh, it's scary to do, but uh, we're 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 feeling it. So let's go on and get into some Star Wars news now. Hear this! Now hear this! Now hear this! Now you hear this! Whoever you. Are. So this week in Star Wars news and last week, we kind of skipped last week, took a little time off after our Book of Boba Fett um, marathon, man. Like we released every week on Book of Boba Fett almost. And it was... We were good. We were faithful. We were faithful. Um, we even released last week. We had a... Um, we had Dork Wars Live, our inaugural episode of Dork Wars Live uh, two weekends ago. And we released that audio as a, a bonus episode. Check that out. We're going to try to do those a couple times um, a month, possibly. So check out our YouTube page. Go subscribe, Dork Wars, the podcast, YouTube. And you can find out when we're going to be live. You can get in the chat uh, and interact with us. I like the chat. I, I keep it going. It's lit. Uh, a lot of our Red 5 friends do the chat and do the live thing. And that's something that Dork Wars hadn't got into very much. But it's a lot of fun, and you get to talk to um, the fans live, the listeners live. It definitely makes a difference. Uh, we've noticed that once we have uh, started getting a chat following, that it makes it more entertaining. It keeps us going. Uh, sometimes You never know what the chat's going to say. They're going to pop off with something that's just completely off the wall <laughs> and... It's absolutely comedy gold. And uh, yeah, uh, Chantel from our group is notorious for that. 
you never know what she's going to say. And <laughs> yeah, it just it just makes it interesting. And sometimes you have to just pause, take a breath, and and, and try not to laugh too hard. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, live chats are definitely uh, great. Um, you know, we do ours live every week. Uh, glad you guys are getting into it as well, and I'm sure you'll start to love it just as much as we do. For sure, I'll tell you, man, sure. I'm almost addicted. Um, I've I've gotten on with uh, Andrew from the Course on Underground. I've gotten on with uh, Red Five. Um, that we had a big thing on Star Wars Podcast Day that I was a part of. Mm-hmm. It was a lot of fun. Me and DJ actually did, I think, uh, Course on Underground together. That's where we yes. we did our first podcast together. Hey, um, great time. That's right. But anyways, we, we got to get to some news here in our news segment. So we have um, John Williams coming back to at least do the main theme for Obi-Wan Kenobi. How fitting is that? Brings a tear to the eye. <laughs> it's beautiful. Like DJ said, it's, it's just majestic. It's right. It's the right thing to do. <laughs> it is, man. Anything that John Williams touches musically just becomes an icon. I mean, you have E.T., you have Jurassic Park, you have the original Star Wars. His music just defines movies and, and when you hear one of his scores you know it's a john williams score yeah absolutely I, there's just the, the, so many movies uh, that he's touched one of my favorites uh, schindler's list uh, is just absolutely beautiful empire of the sun is another one uh that is just so touching that the music itself tells a story yeah it, it does anything that john williams touches just it's amazing. I, I love his work. I love his music. And I really think that this is going to be a love letter to the Star Wars fans. I, I really hope that this this theme, if that's all we're getting, I don't know if he's doing all of the music, but where he's doing the theme. And hopefully it is something that, that is iconic. I saw on Twitter, so it has to be true, but I saw on Twitter where like he had to do it in like complete secrecy and have high detail security to make sure that nothing leaks out. So I'm excited. Well, they did a good job because I don't think anyone expected it until the news dropped. Um, this is the first time I think John Williams has done anything for um, the the new Disney era TV shows. Um, so the the fact that he's getting involved with one of the the shows is a big deal. Yeah, I agree, hundred percent. Yeah, it's um, you know not to take away from uh, you know uh, oh, what's his name was it Gustav or that uh, did Man- Mandalorian, uh, which was good. Oh, yeah, um, very good. And he borrowed heavily from Williams. Uh, but, yeah, to to be able to hear uh, and to know that uh, Williams supplied the, the, at least the theme uh, bodes well for the show. It does. And I think a precursor to things to come, precursor to our hopes and dreams, because we all want something that is great in this story. I just really want a good Star Wars story. We also have Jimmy Smith's coming back as Bill Organa. That's going to be cool. I'm I'm excited for that. He does a great job. Um, we haven't honestly we haven't seen Jimmy Smith's as Bill Organa that much. I mean, you have we we have him in uh, Revenge of the Sith. We have him in Rogue One. But he plays the part well, and I can't wait to see him come back. We've seen more of Bail Organa than we saw of Boba Fett. Just saying. 
That's true. That's so true. <laughs> oh, man. So maybe we'll get the book of Bail Organa next. Uh, I know. Touchy, t- touchy subject. I know. I know. I like but. it. I like I like controversies. <laughs> I tell no, you, man, kidding. Book of Boba Fett is so fresh on everyone's mind. It just permeates all of Star Wars right now. There were so many highs and so many so many lows. I mean, <laughs> how, how can it not? How can it not just be on the forefront of everyone's mind? But... <laughs> I just I can't wait to see what happens in this in this show. Seems like Obi Wan's going to be doing some adventuring off of Tatooine. It, it 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 really just opens up his story so much for this little bit of time that we're going to get Ewan McGregor back. So. Oh yeah. So I, also on Twitter, I, I heard that um, he was going to have two confirmed two fights with Darth Vader. So I don't know if that's true or not, but you know, it's Twitter. Well. Like you said, it's it's on Twitter. It has to be true, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, and I could see that. I'd, I'd love to see a Darth Vader Obi Wan matchup in the series. I think it's it's almost expected. I mean, they're both out there in the the galaxy. It would give a lot of credence to some of like the Vader Obi Wan interactions in A New Hope, where Vader's off and he says, "I haven't felt that presence since." And then a he long pauses, time, yeah. and you, yeah, he has a long pause, and you're like. I mean, the time that he cut you up in little pieces and had a weenie roast, like, what? is that what you're thinking right? about, yeah. or, or was there something else? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's, um, you know, and I, I don't mind uh, that we're going to see the two of them together. I just really hope that it makes sense, mm-hmm. um, and I hope they tell a complete story rather than... You know, oh, here's this little snippet that you're going to get, and then, you know, leave us really... I mean, we're already going to want more, but not have the ability to get more for whatever reason. Say, the you know, Ewan can't come back for uh, something else, or, um, you know, they don't... Uh, they want to change uh, Darth Vader, or, or whatever. But, uh, yeah, I just... I'm, I'm hoping for something good and something complete, you know, uh, tie up all your loose ends that you have there, and I'm ready to go. And absolutely, well said, DJ. And and so, I know the Kenobi series. It's it's called a limited series. So, what does that mean exactly? Does it mean it's only going to be like one season, or I th- I think that's the consensus. That's, yeah, that's what I've heard as well. That it's it's only going to be um a series and it originally wasn't even going to be a series it was just going to be a disney plus movie so you're going to get i think what they say five six episodes of this show and they're going to be about 30 minutes a piece uh so uh yeah just longer than a standard movie but not uh not quite anything that's going to require a sequel Right, and with six with with six episodes at about thirty minutes a piece, like you said, you have a you have a good story going on, and hopefully, you know, with a lot of series, you have to you'll start the episode and you'll kind of recap what happened. Like we'll have this dialogue. Hopefully, we won't get a lot of that in Obi One. I hope it's just a straight story. We just get what we need. Everything is just he did this, and then he did this, and he did this. And we have a complete story like DJ was talking about earlier. And just going back to Boba Fett for a moment is, is it did not complete. <laughs> leave the it story be. For leave me, it unfortunately. be. Unfortunately, <laughs> I'm trying to. I'm trying leave to leave it in the, the last episode, last podcast. <laughs> no, no back to tanks. No back to tanks for this. 
And if Kenobi gets off on the wrong foot, then they'll just bring in Mandalorian and Baby Yoda to just hijack the show. <laughs> well, I mean, they, they are both alive in that time, but they, they didn't know each other. So that would that would be something, wouldn't it? So I'm going to I'm going to give you a hot take, though, guys, real quick uh, before we move on. And this, this is the end of our, our, our news, but I'm going to end it with a hot take. I think we might find out who saves Grogu in this series. I've. I'm not oh. saying it's confirmed. I don't, I don't know, man. It's it's about that time. I, I don't know. I think we're going to have some kind of inkling. I might be wrong. I'm probably wrong. But I don't know. I think this would be a... Everybody loves Grogu, right? Everyone thinks he's the bomb. And they have put him in every single Star Wars everything since he's been introduced. And I, th- I think it would be fitting to find out how he got saved from the uh, from the temple. I don't I don't know if they can work that in there, but I've been surprised before. I I had a similar thought as well. Uh, the way that they're trying to uh, Kevin Feige everything and have everything all interconnected, uh, like the Marvel um, shows that they have, uh, I could definitely see something like that. Uh, I think it'll either be that or in uh, Ahsoka. It'll be a flashback or something that, that you'll see there. Uh, but Kenobi would be a great place for it, I think. If they can make have it make sense and that that's right. the only thing that i i think that we as star wars fans really want is just have it make sense for us and right <laughs> don't force it. it yeah yeah we don't like to be force fed stuff just let it be organic and let it be uh, something that uh, you know we can easily digest without having to retcon other things that we've known and, and we'll be happy yeah i i don't know if i agree with the hot take or not here um because it would it be kind of weird you know just to see kenobi with baby yoda like i i'm not hand, saying he I did agree. it i'm not saying he did it i'm just saying he well, might not him but d- d- well i guess to see like a- affiliated in the same show it would be kind of strange to me um like i i get ahsoka and 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 baby yoda but i don't know about kenobi but i would like to see like a flashback to seeing like um uh, obi-wan and mating have like a love affair that'd be pretty interesting that's a that's a wrong name i said the wrong name didn't i i do this every time you're talking about satine yeah i i do this every time i do yeah who'd you call her mating i i did satine yeah my bad Oh, you said Satine. Well, Satine, same thing. I mean, same thing. Well, I, I, I said, I said Maydean the first time, but I, I meant to say Satine. Yeah, must have been one of your ex girlfriends. Maydean was a general. Yep, that's right. That's right. He and he didn't date no generals. He just dated the, the leader of the Mandalorians. Obi Wan was that good. But I'm going to tell you, Wesley, it's not a hot take if everyone agrees with it. So that's why I call it hot. <laughs> it's hot. Um, good job. <laughs> But I just, I don't know, I, like like you guys said, I think we'll either see the Baby Yoda thing, and I think we may see Ahsoka in the series, too. It's, we'll, we'll see one or the other, maybe both, you know, like DJ said, they're kind of trying to interconnect it like the MCU. And I'm, I'm cool with that. I like the interconnected universe, but I just want it to make sense. Us Star Wars fans are a scrupulous group. We like our lore to make sense. <laughs> And when it doesn't, you will hear a mass amount of fans 
moan and complain about it. <laughs> they complain anyway. One of our favorite things to do, of course, is theorize about, you know, uh, what could happen or, you know, and that's what uh, uh, some of our uh, chat folks don't like the speculation. They don't they don't even want to yeah. think about it and they just want it to be a surprise. I'm like, well, half the yeah. fun is, you know, is guessing and, you know, because 99 percent of the time you're going to get it wrong. And, you know, and that's great because I love it. It keeps you on your toes. If you knew what was coming, then, you know, uh, you wouldn't have as much fun. So why not go out on a limb and say, hey, you know what? This is going to happen. And wouldn't it be cool if this happened? And yeah, Yeah. and it's fine. And I'm going to tell you, that's part of the podcast game. Any of you guys out there listening to Star Wars podcast, I'm going to tell you. 95% 95% of us do some speculation or a lot of speculation. It's part of the fun. I agree with you, DJ. It's, it's so fun. Yeah. We, uh, I mean, I have my own speculation of what's going to happen with this and we can discuss that, uh, you know, after the episode or whatever, uh, or a future episode, but, uh, yeah, it's, we'll have, uh, D- we'll have DJ back on. It's going to be fun. There you yeah, go. I'm, I'm sure we'll do a live or something. We can all get together right before the show premieres. Yeah, dude, that's a that's a plan. Awesome. We're, we're gonna mark that down. Maybe, oh, dude, that'd be a good May Fourth episode. Maybe a May Fourth live. I'm feeling I'm sure. it. There I'm sure you go. Yeah. We can, I'm sure. I'm sure a lot of Red Fivers are gonna be live on May Fourth, but we'll we'll fit it in there somewhere. Uh, so moving on from the news now, Dork Wars the podcast has a merchandise store. Merchandising. Merchandising. What's that? Merchandising. Come, I'll show you. Open up this door. And we have Dork Wars the t-shirt, we have Dork Wars the coffee mug, we have Dork Wars the hoodie, and yes, we have Dork Wars the flamethrower. The kids love this one. So you can check us out on Dork Wars uh, Linktree, just Google that, and you will find our Linktree. That's better than me just telling you this very long URL that you will never remember. And that has our merchandise store on it, you can browse all of our contents. If you want to wear Dork Wars on your person at any time or have some Dork Wars merch, go on there and check us out. Um, that link also has all of the places that you can find our podcast, um, or Apple podcast or Google podcast, wherever you get your podcast, we're probably there. Dork Wars, the podcast is also a part of a conglomerate of other geeky and Star Wars podcasts. And that is the Red Five Network. Let's roll the promo. This podcast is part of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts, visit red5network.com. And speaking of Red 5, um, we have DJ, whose podcast, uh, Rogue One Radio, is also on the Red 5 Network. And I love this group of people, man. Like, we, we talk all the time. We bounce ideas off each other. We go on each other's shows. It's been a great time since we've joined up with Red 5 Network. It's really a family we actually had some some Facebook and Twitter wars the other week where, man, I, we just ran into some, to some toxic people. I literally just posted a <laughs> meme about the uh, the mods and how they were kind of like the Power Rangers. And, dude, I, we had some people who just went nuts, man. They were so mad about it. And they, they followed me from Facebook to Twitter, <laughs> like blocked me on Facebook, got on my Twitter, started trashing like one of my most or our most uh, popular tweets and but the Red Five Network showed up, man. My Red Five tribe came in, and we were like, "Come on, man! Like, just just cut it out." So, I really appreciate the Red Five Network, the camaraderie there. Uh, it's it's been great. 
That was crazy, man. That whole fight was just insane. <laughs> Blake became the most hated man. <laughs> I call it the face wars, and then and then the Twitter wars. Um, it was it was something. It was something. Well, as an original Red Five member, I was there at the very beginning. Uh, I am glad that you guys are in the group uh, and Aww. proud to be family with you. Oh, that's awesome, man. And we are proud to be a part such notoriety in this group. And it's it's only made us a better podcast. I, I believe I've gotten some great criticism, some some great uh, feedback and some some knowledge listening to all these other shows. It's been a fun ride. So let's go on and get into our main topic for the evening tonight. We are talking space balls, space balls. Forget it. Too dangerous. So Spaceballs, as we all know, is a spoof of Star Wars. And what a great spoof it is. Done very well. Um, directed, created, produced. I mean, everything. Mel Brooks is the man, right? Mel Brooks comes up with the greatest spoof movies ever. I mean, there, there's no, no doubt about that. And this is one of my favorite ones, just because I'm a Star Wars fan. Definitely one of the greatest yeah, like you said, one of the greatest spoofs ever done, in my opinion. Are, are, are we going to do ratings first, or, or, or what do you want to do? Oh, man, you're right, Wesley. Let's, let's get into the ratings. I forgot that we, we rated this thing first. So, um, DJ, over the last couple of episodes, when um, reviewing content, we will rate the content at the beginning with no explanation. And then at the very end of our conversation, we'll, we'll come back around and we'll see if our ratings have changed. So for um, Spaceballs, Wesley, what do you think out of 10? Let's give it an 8. 8 out of 10. I like it. So DJ, out of 10, your rating for Spaceballs. Wow, that's uh, that's a loaded question. Um, seven, <laughs> it is, it is. <laughs> 7 out of 10 uh, is what I will go with at this point in time. I like it. I like it. And yeah, I, I man, I, I blindsided DJ, but it, it is a loaded question. Um, space balls. I'm, I'm getting, I'm close. I'm going to split you guys. I'm going to be 7.5 out of 10 for space balls. The movie. Yeah. Like DJ said, it's a loaded question, but when we get to the end, we can kind of make our, our arguments and elaborate more. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Right. And I don't, I don't think I'm going to go through this no, shot by no. shot or anything. Um, anyone that's listening to this at this point has probably seen um, Spaceballs. I'm even going to dispense with the, uh, the spoiler warning. Um, it came out in the 1980s. I don't, I think it was what, 83, 84, 87, 87. Got 87. See, I, yeah. see look, yep. now I'm, I feel bad now. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, and still, I mean, that was before I was born or we, uh, Wesley. So if you haven't seen Spaceballs, then you're probably not going to see it at this point. Or maybe you will because you listen to <laughs> us talk about it. I don't know. Uh, so Spaceballs has an amazing cast and crew. Uh, just the names in this movie, I think there are bigger names in Spaceballs than than Star Wars when Star Wars started. Like Mark Hamill, Carrie Fisher, Han, uh, Hans, I said Han Solo, no, uh, Harrison Ford. I mean, they were nobody names back in 1977 
Spaceballs had some notable names right up front. I mean, oh, John yeah. Candy, Joan Rivers, um, Rick Moranis, Mel Brooks himself was in the movie. Just, gosh, an elaborate cast of hilarious people, big names. Bill Pullman. This cast was well done, I think. And there was only one person, I think, um, uh, uh, Lone Star, uh, Bill Pullman. He, he was kind of the only unknown at the time. And and so th- I think this was like his first big gig, if you will. Well, I don't know. Can you call Mel Brooks like a big gig? I mean, he's, everyone knows him. It's a, great, it's a good gig. I don't know if it's a great gig. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what the right word is, but right. <laughs> well known, I guess. But. It, was, uh, it was only his second movie. Uh, he did Ruthless People uh, the year before, so yeah, he he was uh, relatively unknown, but uh, he's who Mel Brooks wanted for this role. Right, and he does a fine job. I don't think that Bill Pullman is overly funny. Lone Star is not overly hilarious in this movie. He's witty, and he has <laughs> the right lines at the right time. But I think he I think he's like the grounded character in the movie. Um, in a movie, if you can have a grounded character in such a film, um, well, 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 one of my co, one of our co-hosts before, um, they they mentioned he's kind of a mixture of a couple of different people. Like, um, what do they say? Like, he's kind of like he's Luke Skywalker Han Solo, and right? Han Solo but, together. Yeah, <laughs> like totally, hundred percent, and pulls it off. And pulls it, yeah, and pulls yeah, it exactly. off. Is is opposite as those characters are in Star Wars. He's able to mesh them in a way like he has the Han Solo coolness, but the like Luke Skywalker Jedi power thing. It's man, I, I wish I could ex- I could explain it in a way that makes sense, but he, he did a great job of melding those two characters together. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, the best thing I could think of is, you know, imagine Luke Skywalker having the swagger of Han Solo. Yeah, 100 <laughs> percent. But Rick Moranis is one of the other standouts in this movie for me. Above all, oh. I love I love all the actors in this movie, but Rick Moranis is who brings this home for me. Um, yeah, I love this actor. I mean, he was Little Shop of Horrors. Um, you have Honey, Honey, We Shrunk Ourselves, which was after this, um, and Honey, We Shrunk the Kids, which was after this as well. I mean, all the Honey, We Shrunk Our Kids series, just hilarious hilarious man he says all the right lines at all the right times a lot of his dialogue in this movie and interactions aren't even scripted like he's he's going off the cuff a lot of times i hate that he cut his i I, he volunteered to cut his acting career short and i I hate that because you know like you said earlier we were born after this movie was released right and so i wish we had more time growing up with with him and in our movies growing up but now he had a good reason he had a good reason um he raised his kids his his wife i believe prematurely passed away um and he Mm. took a step away from acting and raised his children and i mean it's admirable because at the time that he'd walked away from his career, he was, he was getting to the top. Like he was, he was one of the guys, man. Like he was one of those comedic, um, he was like a Jim Carrey or, a um, Adam Sandler, if mm-hmm. you will, not quite as, you know, dumb, I guess. Rick yeah. Moranis was like a very, he was just a funny guy, you know, and he, 
mm-hmm. he was getting to like just top tier notoriety, and then he he walked away from it all mm-hmm. for his family. So I, I I can't blame the man. I I have major respect for Rick Moranis. Oh, absolutely, and it's funny that there's another character in this movie that had almost an identical story, and that was Michael Winslow. Yeah. He he played the the radar technician that makes all the oh, uh, makes yeah. all the beeps and whistles and everything. He was uh, made famous and he was uh, made famous from yeah yeah uh, made uh, you know police academy what it was that's right. But uh, you know he he left acting as well to raise his kids. You know, as a single father and, you know, decided that, you know what, hey, I need to put uh, my career on hold to raise my family. Um, And him and Rick Moranis have remained close friends uh, to this day because of that shared story, which is uh, absolutely amazing. Yeah. And he was getting that popularity too. a police academy was a huge hit when it released like. Michael Winslow did make that movie what it was. He was a big part of that. Yeah. And he he doesn't he has just a bit part here in Spaceballs, but it's one of the memorable parts, the sweeps and the creeps and he's doing the all the sounds, yeah. man. I love it, man. I love it. You know, the bleeps. The sweeps. And the creeps. <laughs> It was so good, so talented. <laughs> like his brand of comedy was so unique. He could have been a superstar. I mean, he he was a superstar. He was getting to that that notoriety like we're talking about and he could have been in all the movies growing up. Anything he wanted to do, he could have done it, I believe. And for those guys to walk away from that like major respect. Remind me which actor was it that was in the desert? <laughs> and he has a famous line like, "We didn't find shit." <laughs> um, was that um, Richard Pryor? I don't know if it was. I think so. Um, it looked um, like Richard Pryor. It, I don't. It, I don't want to like I, call out people yeah. who were not in the film. It looked like Richard Pryor. I don't know. Well, it, it was like so. It was a guy who went on to be in Star Trek later, I believe. But um, yeah, it's funny because he he was in Star Trek for a couple seasons, but he was more famous for that one line <laughs> in Spaceballs. So that that always stood out to me. That's funny. Um, yeah, I don't think. Oh yeah, that was a great scene. Yeah, I don't think Richard Pryor was in Star Trek, so it probably wasn't Richard Pryor. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll I'll have to look for it and see now. Yeah, now I'm curious. Now it's going to drive me nuts. It is because, like you said, man, he had that like two second part in the movie, which was by far one of the favorite, one of my favorite parts, one of the funniest parts of the movie. And dude, I don't even, I don't know, I don't know who, I don't know who played that role. Tim Russ. Yeah, Tim Russ. Yeah, Tim Russ. Oh no, no way. Yeah, I've yeah. never noticed that before, and I'm. I'm a Trek fan as well. I'm one of those rare ones. Well, uh, I, I can't. I can't actually say that, but you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, I agree. I can't relate, but it takes a unique kind of geek, I well, guess. My problem is, is that I'm a little bit older than you guys, so right. I grew up with the original Star Trek, and I could not mm. stand William Shatner. <laughs> It, well, just even back then, like he, he gave off that air of man, I am just the bomb. I am 
Dude, he, he, uh, he's always had that swagger that's just kind of like, I'm better than everything well, around it, me. It, it's not really his swagger. It's his intonation, uh, his phrasing. I just don't know what I'm going to <laughs> say here. And, you know, it just, I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know. Yeah, we did and have. He got one legible line out, and that was, God! <laughs> You know, it's one word. I mean, the rest of it is just like, oh, my, you know, somebody smack him in the back of the head to get him started again. Yeah, and luckily, Mm. I grew up with uh, (laughs) Next Generation was on when I was when I was young. Um, Very. It was more successful. Yeah, great great show. show. And it was more successful, I think, than the original run, even though I do appreciate the original run for what it is. Um, I guess we're taking a sidebar here, <laughs> but yeah, Star oh, Trek, yeah. Star Wars, <laughs> Spaceballs. Um, but one of the things I do like, we're expanding out now, like you said, we would. Yeah, we're expanding. <laughs> yeah, we are expanding. Um, so Rick Moranis does a great job as Dark Helmet. And one of the things that I find funny watching this back, I haven't seen Spaceballs in, in quite some time. It's been a couple years, I think, since I've last watched and Rick Moranis' portrayal of Dark Helmet really reminds me of Kylo Ren. It's, you know, he has a mask that he really doesn't oh. need. The voice is kind of the same. <laughs> it's it's weird. It's like a weird, like, it's like he spoofed Kylo Ren before it, it, Kylo Ren was Kylo Ren. Like, we know, we know he's spoofing Darth that's Vader. That's amazing. Oh, that's amazing. I never put that together. Yeah. And now I cannot unsee it. Oh, that is glorious. I can glorious. see it, too. Yeah. That is amazing. The dual personalities, like when he has the helmet on, he's like his voice all deep and he's dark and ominous. And when the voice is, when the helmet's off, then it's just him. Yeah, it's more light but and even even the personal even yeah. dark helmet's voice with the mask on kind of sounds like Kylo Ren, <laughs> just muffled a little. I'll show you the dark side. Now you see that evil will always triumph because good is dumb. It really kind of took me out of Spaceballs for a moment because the first time he puts the helmet on and starts talking, I started, I started thinking about that. I'm like, oh my gosh! Like, I think Kylo Ren may be a spoof of Dark Helmet. <laughs> hot takes. We got hot takes on Dark Wars oh. this evening. Oh, glorious, glorious, glorious. Yes. Oh man. Yeah, and I and then man, even underrated characters. Uh, you had uh, George Weiner. Yeah. Uh, that. Uh, Which one was? He was uh, Colonel Sanders. Oh yeah, the, he, <laughs> yes. dude. Colonel Sanders was the butt of all the jokes, but still just as funny as everyone else. I. Can't. <laughs> he he's the Hux. He is of space. He is a. Yeah. Hux yeah. is a spoof of Colonel Sanders. I'm I'm now just convinced that Disney watched Spaceballs and just wanted to spoof a spoof of Star Wars, and that's how we got the sequel trilogy. <laughs> Book it. It's yes. It is now out there in the universe. Absolutely wonderful. Um but let's kind of like reverse a little bit. Let's talk about this opening crawl. So the opening crawl for me is hilarious. Once upon a time warp. And we get straight to the point. The The opening crawl is hilarious. It's talking about Princess Vespa, the air, this, that, and other. But what really gets me is it says Spaceballs Part 11. 
right? <laughs> yeah, saying. because yes. at this time, this is you know after um, Lucas had implemented the numbering system to his um, to his movies, we got four, five, and six, of course, out of nowhere. You know, there's no one, two, three, or five, six, or excuse me, seven, eight, nine. And this is just kind of random. So I really want to see the prequels of Spaceball. There, there are Spaceball prequels somewhere. There are parts <laughs> one through ten that I have not seen. And I want to know how Rick Moranis became Dark Helmet. That is, that is my, new, my new wish. Well, we could possibly get that. God willing, we'll all meet again in Spaceballs 2. The search for more money. Oh, and I'm, I'm all down for it, man. I, I would love to see a Spaceballs 2. <laughs> The Schwartz Awakens, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Well, which it something that uh, that I found out while um, researching Spaceballs was this is, I think, the only movie. There was one show that was allowed to uh, parody Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And then there's yes. one movie that at the time was allowed to parody Star Wars. And it actually had uh, approval from George Lucas for Mel Brooks to do this. The only thing that Lucas said was just you can't have any action figures. Right. And that was <laughs> the only stipulation. Everything goes, you know, you can do anything you want. Just don't make any action figures. They're going to look too much like mine. Just, yeah. You know, how, how impressive is Mel Brooks that George Lucas okayed him to parody the movie? That's just, I mean, that's such high praise. It's like having your song done by Weird Al. Right. And, you know, it's. <laughs> and two, yeah. one of the biggest jokes of the movie is the merchandising. We've got Spaceballs the lunchbox, Spaceballs the breakfast cereal, Spaceballs the flamethrower. I mean, that is one of the biggest jokes of the movie and they could not make merchandise. So I think he turned Lucas's one um stipulation into a joke for the film. Like it, it, it's uh, ridiculous. He he is such he's so yeah. brilliant. Like you can't you can't match Mel Brooks in the spoofing genre. I wish I had half his talent. Yeah, th- yeah. Thank you for bringing that up, DJ, because that just shows like the levels of of humor in this movie, which I, I, I appreciate. There's so many layers of humor. Like it's the movie almost spoofs itself. I mean, the VHS scene is one of my favorite favorite scenes in the movie, where he comes in and he's talking about uh, we have to find out where they are, and they're like, "Well, we can just watch Spaceballs the movie," and he's like. Well, how are we making it? Like we're we're in Spaceballs the movie right now, and he's like, "Well, it's a new in, uh, new advancement in home entertainment," <laughs> and that's when we get the the uh, the uh, this is when's now? It's now. Well, where's this? this yeah, is that is one of my favorite parts of the movie. It is it's Rick Moranis and uh, mm-hmm. Colonel Sanders here. Just they bring it home for me. I mean, this is one of the funniest parts. Mm-hmm. When was then? When will then be now? Just then. We just missed it. Like the whole exchange, it's like a who uh who's on first bit. Uh Abbott and Costello, right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. And if you had to pick one scene, what's your favorite scene, DJ? Oh wow. Um Did you you can't just blindside the man. You can't blindside the man like that. Uh, 
Yeah. Wow. The, oh, uh, and now I, I'm playing the movie over in my head to try to figure out uh, the best, uh, the best one. Well, when's now? Um, now's now. When's the, now? I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, uh, that was that was a great one. Um, you know, the uh, ludicrous speed yes. scene oh, yeah. was was amazing. Uh, I loved uh, the transformation of the. Um, uh, Spaceball uh, Spaceballs one, yeah. one, and yeah, and and it becomes uh, oh the the maid, <laughs> yeah, the back, uh, actually the maid, had, yeah, it ha- actually has a proper name, and I can't remember I can't. what the name of the maid was. It's a but, transformer, uh, but yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, so was this name originally Spaceballs one? Like the ship's yeah, name was that Spaceballs was the name one. Of the ship. Yeah. Yes. Oh, I okay. I, I missed that. Yeah. <laughs> But go- uh, yeah, the, I mean that was great. Uh, uh, even uh, man, it, just the opening scene because you know mm-hmm. you, you you've seen all three of the Star Wars movies to date, and they all show a you know a, a starfighter or a ship of some sort. To see this one go, and then it goes through, and you're like, it's still going, <laughs> it's yeah. still going. <laughs> Oh wait, nope, nope, nope. That's still part of it. All right, you know. And then the you get the bumper sticker. We break for yeah. nobody. <laughs> and you know, it's just absolutely just. Uh, oh, it's amazing! Absolutely amazing. Yeah, and it's. I think that's the opening scene went on for like three and a half minutes or something. Yeah, it was a long <laughs> was time. Good. But even though it was, it was literally just a ship moving through space. We all knew the joke. We all got it. We all laughed. I mean, it's just funny. Going back to the um, the ludicrous speed scene that DJ was talking about. What are the physics here? What what are the uh, the hyperspace laws for uh, spaceballs? Because we have hyperactive, right? Um, Lone Star and and uh, Barf take the the Winnebago. They get the secret hyperjets out and go into hyperactive, right? So I guess that's hyperspace. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then Dark Helmet tells uh, Colonel Sanders that he wants to go to ludicrous speed. He says, like, light speed is not fast enough, right? So we have a light speed and a hyperactive. Like, where does that fall in there? It's all kind of muddy, right? I, I, I just don't, I don't get the physics here. And I don't think I'm supposed to. And it's, and it's hilarious to me. This whole, like... We have this form of travel that no one can comprehend. We've gone plaid. <laughs> We've gone plaid. And that's my favorite. Like, ludicrous yes. speed was too quick. And he's like, we're going to ludicrous speed. I don't think it can take it, sir. And and then we get... <laughs> this. Now, this is one of my favorite lines. And I believe that Rick Moranis and uh, and Colonel Sanders here... I cannot, I cannot remember his name to save my life. Um, I think this was a one of those uh, impromptu off the cuff scenes and dark helmet looks at Colonel Sanders and he goes, Colonel Sanders, what are you chicken? (laughs) 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 Which I mean, if anyone knows, I mean, KFC, Colonel Sanders, chicken, it's, it's hilarious. And then Colonel Sanders (laughs) goes, prepare ship, prepare ship for ludicrous speed. Sounds like a chicken. <laughs> it's 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 moments like yeah, that I, that are so that, funny. They're not huge. Like it's just witty, 
fun. Like it's it's nothing like crazy over the top hilarious, but it's just those little quips that hit you right in the funny bone. And and every time you go back and watch it, you just pick up on things you missed the first time. Like like uh, I heard that scene that Blake that Blake just described, but I didn't catch the voice <laughs> sound like a chicken, and <laughs> and that now it makes yeah, sense. And <laughs> and I uh, love it when they they streak past the Winnebago. And Marfa's like, they've gone to plaid. <laughs> oh man, it's so so great. Uh, another one of those scenes that are just funny, and I don't, it's just the timing. It's Mel Brooks timing, and we have Mel Brooks as uh, President Scrooge, and he does a fantabulous job. He is hilarious. the the beaming The beaming mm-hmm. scene where he's talking to uh, the lady. Oh my, oh my god. He's so funny. He's like, uh, I'm gonna go down to the to the control room. Well, you want us to beam beam you there, sir? And he's like, Man, I don't know about that beaming stuff. Like, <laughs> I don't know about that beaming stuff. He's like, she's and she says Oh yeah, it, it works, sir. It's fine. Uh, snotty beamed me twice last night. Like <laughs> very, very heavily implied in new windows here. Uh, but funny nonetheless, <laughs> and then, all right, I'll take a shot at it. What the hell? It works on Star Trek. So we get a blatant Star Trek reference. <laughs> oh yeah. He said that. Did, did, oh, did yeah. he, yeah. Did he yeah. literally say he said, Star he Trek? He said it worked or... in Star Trek. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. That's, that's awesome. uh, that's one of the movies that they, uh, they spoofed in here. There was, uh, four or five movies that, uh. Uh, oh, that yeah. he went after. Yeah, yeah and mm-hmm. then then we get the but, the Mel Brooks. He gets beamed down there, and he's his head's on. But he's like, his head's on backwards. <laughs> and oh my gosh, just funny. They beam him back. He's fine. And then he literally just walks into the next room through the door, and he's in the control room. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was the best part. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that that's amazing. Yeah, it's just yeah, right next door. Yeah, that whole 20 steps like, away. exchange, so complicated. There's like a five-minute scene with him talking about beaming and the science of getting one place to another, and he gets there, and he's not quite right. We have the jokes, and he gets back, and he literally just walks into the next room. And I think it's the the Mel Brooks way of over, overcomplicating a simple situation that makes it funny. And he does this all throughout other movies, and it's... It's one of his signatures. I, I love some. I love Mel mm-hmm. Brooks. Like I, I know we're, we're just talking about how great he is, but his stuff just it speaks to me. That 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 led right into uh, the Mister Coffee scene. Mister Coffee right? was before then. Oh yeah, yeah the radar. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. It was. Before yeah, that's then. one of the. F- yeah. Right before. Yeah. yeah. That. And they're they're trying to find Lone Star, and this is and this is when. Uh, this is when we have Michael Winslow and, and all of his noises. That's that's that scene where he <laughs> we're going to the radar and they go to the radar and he oh, says, okay. "What am I looking at?" He's like, "This is Mister Coffee, sir." Well, good. Everybody knows <laughs> I have coffee when I watch radar. Like, just tries to cover it up like he knew what was going on the whole time. <laughs> mm-hmm. I that that whole stretch. I mean, you could start there and then you know it uh, goes into that one. And um, goes into the ludicrous speed, uh, you know, and then uh, you have uh, the scene where 
they're shooting at the Winnebago. I believe that's it's still in this one where they're shooting yeah. at the Winnebago. And uh, he said, uh, you know, you know, uh, shoot across her nose, not up it. And uh, oh yeah, that's the, oh. that's they're shooting they're shooting her um they're shooting her personal ship at that oh, time. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Who made that man a gunner? <laughs> yeah, I did. He's he's my cousin. Uh, who is, who is he? He's an asshole. I know right? that. What's his I name? Know that. What's his name? No, no, <laughs> that is his name, sir. Asshole, major asshole. <laughs> and that is one of the funny oh, scenes in him. I mean, th- that whole stretch, uh, like you said, DJ. There's like. It's probably a 10 or 15 minute stretch of scenes that are probably the most iconic scenes from this movie. And they happen all in sequence. And it's just laugh after laugh yeah. after laugh after laugh. And this is it's probably the best stretch of the movie just because you have Rick Moranis doing his thing. The Colonel Sanders stuff. You have uh, Princess Vespa and... Um, Lone Star interact like there's well actually they don't interact at all at this point they don't interact until they get to the the Sands of Vega actually so we really just have Lone Star's reaction to what Spaceball One's doing we have Barf getting Vespa off of her little ship and all that stuff and this stretch is just comedy gold I mean one one liner after another one little quip yeah. after another and it just keeps you on your toes it keeps you on really on your back laughing because. <laughs> I I can't seem to shake it. Every time I watch this movie, this stretch just seems like one long montage of comedy. I was glad they were able to introduce uh, Pizza the Hut in that stretch, and just like this gross, uh, grotesque character. Yeah, and I really think that <laughs> Vinny and Pizza the Hut, and that Vinny is Pizza the Hut's uh, little manservant guy. I guess he's like uh, Salacious B Crumb or whatever his name is for uh, Java. He's like his dude, mm-hmm. and uh, he's talking about, you know, he, he talks for pizza. Pizza is right there, right? And, of course, Pizza the Hut is a spoof off of Pizza Hut, <laughs> which is really big in the 80s, 90s, even today, mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. course. Mm-hmm. But oh, yeah. Vinny, man, he, he's talking, he's talking to uh, Lone Star and, and Barf, and he's... <laughs> one of my favorite lines of the movie, too, is... Uh, and what if we don't get a million space bucks? And he's like, well, pizza's going to send out for you. <laughs> and then he starts eating Pizza the Hut. That is like one of the weirdest things. Like they're sitting there laughing. And he's eating off a of pizza. It's, it's, it's gross and weird and hilarious all at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, that, to me, that scene was really hard to stomach. I, I just. Quite literally. Just the oozing toppings. <laughs> and I just was like, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I mean, Pizza and Vinny seem to have some kind of strange relationship going on. Uh, but yeah, that whole stretch is hilarious. Um, we get the ludicrous um, scene, the going plaid. And this is when we get to like the Sands of Vega. And. Oh, yeah. This is and this is like the next chapter. This is when we start, I guess, the second act of the movie. Um, we have uh, Lone Star and Princess Vespa meet, and she thinks he's just going to be this like hobo dude with a spaceship. He thinks she's going to be like this ugly princess lady, and they find out that they're both relatively attractive, and they're attracted to one another. And then have to beam down because the uh, the Winnebago <laughs> runs out of gas. <laughs> Barf so eloquent, eloquently puts it that they should have put more than five dollars in. 
I mean, who here can relate? <laughs> Hands up. Um, right. I, I didn't. Yep. I can relate, but I never heard. That. I didn't hear that line. That's yeah. great. <laughs> when, when they're going, um, it's they're coming out of ludicrous speed, and he's like, "Oh no, what's happening?" And then they see the the uh, the needle on E, and he's like, "Well, we should have put more than five dollars in." <laughs> Good stuff. I mean, dude, they didn't have enough to pay oh, Pizza boy. the Hut, man. They're on a budget, but they crash land on the sands of Vega. And they're going across the desert, and they're everybody's hot and tired. And Princess Vespa's brought her hair dryer, and just just like a woman, man, just bringing all the stuff she don't need. Um, luckily, my wife doesn't listen to the podcast. Oh, yeah, that's, that's a necessity. That huge suitcase, yeah, <laughs> the huge suitcase. <laughs> just take what we need. And she's like, "I need my hair dryer." <laughs> So, such great stuff. They're they're walking across the desert, and Princess Vespa and Lone Star have their like little little intimate time, and they're she's like, uh, I could be perfectly happy the rest of my life without love. Sure, you could. I, I, lo- I, oh, I like this scene. <laughs> <laughs> yes. She's Dot Matrix, Dot Matrix. Man. She's, she's talking about how she can never love because she's a princess. That's just a luxury she can't afford. And Lone Star's acting around like, yeah, who who needs love? Blah 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 blah. And they get close, and they they're obviously attracted to one another. They're about to kiss, and then Dot Matrix. Bruh, 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 bruh. <laughs> oh my gosh, the Virgin <laughs> Alarm! <And he's, laughs> what's that? It's the version alarm. Oh my god! I'm, pro- yeah, I'm programmed to go off before you do. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good line. Oh my gosh! Great stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. Joan Rivers did a, a it, great job. I think such voice, an iconic voice, voice. I know we hadn't really talked much about Joan, but that vo- no one can duplicate that voice. I mean, she just has that. It's, it's like Reba McIntyre or um, Samuel L. Jackson, uh, Morgan Freeman. Yeah, I mean, it's just an iconic voice. And she does such a great job. And her delivery is spot on. Her, I think everyone in this movie has such great delivery and timing. And that's what makes this movie funny. It's not that the jokes are like the funniest ha-ha thing ever. It's the timing of the jokes. And they just hit one after another in the right places. And it makes you laugh. It it gets you right in the feels. It's funny. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I'm not going to get like super critical or anything. Yeah, and because sometimes like it, the 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 timing delivery wasn't good, but that's what made it funny because <laughs> you know it's just like I don't know cheap port well, yeah, put together. I mean, that's part of the Mel Brooks thing, though. I mean, he he makes it seem that way. I mean, exactly, it's part of the exactly of the spoof. It's 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 layers, man. It's like Shrek or onions. Exactly. <laughs> I just watched Shrek. I just watched Shrek this weekend. That's one of my favorite movies. Well, maybe we'll talk about Shrek in one of these podcasts. That's a sidebar. Um, but this is when we get uh, introduced to the Dinks, man. They're they're all dehydrated, all over the sands, and we get dink 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 dink. <laughs> I, I love like the the seven dwarves snow white kind of aesthetic they have but they're right. also kind of like yeah little, little jaw yeah they're jawas or yodas like they're they're weird little people 
And then they take them take them uh, to yogurt, the grandmaster of the Schwartz, right? Oh my gosh, this is it's another one of those things. Mel Brooks, of course, plays yogurt. He's playing like the goodest. <laughs> this is like an. Oh yeah, sorry. Yeah, there's like another parody right here, of um, of I'm blanking right now. What's the what movie is this a parody of? Wizard of Oz. Oh my god! Thank yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's another parody of Wizard of Oz. Yeah, when they're all Wizard going of up, Oz, Star Wars, and life itself, and you know, just how ridiculous that things had become at that point. If you had a movie, you had merchandise, as we were saying earlier, with all the things that yogurt had available uh, to. Uh, help profit with the movie uh that was real life i mean you had a saturday morning cartoon that took off and you know spawned uh you know gi joe you know the resurgence of gi joe figures transformers uh yeah. where, you know uh voltron was another cartoon that was huge in the 80s that uh, if it's big, we're making toys out of it, and right. you know we're just going to keep on that uh, that merchandising train because you know hey we're not going to get a lot of traction when it comes to uh, you know people buying tickets. It was you know a dollar twenty five to get into the theater to see a movie, right? So <laughs> you know they weren't really making mo- money off of the movies, but uh, man, they could sure sell the heck out of some merchandising stuff. Well, yeah, because that's what all the kids wanted, and and yogurt said it best: merchandising, where the real money from the movie is made. <laughs> and, oh. and, and, and Star Wars, <laughs> that's where Star Wars made a ton of money. Was the Luke Skywalker still are Han, so, still are man? I mean, there's people. I would I would say anyone in their nineties and below. I mean, everybody old, young, everybody at this point is Star Wars fans. I mean, there are Star Wars fans in every facet of life, every stage of life. Star Wars has been there at this point in time, right? Um, started in the 70s, so, I mean, even older folks got into the Star Wars thing back then, kids, and now even even people like me who were 15, 20 years after the original release of Star Wars love Star Wars. We got the prequels and the sequels and the Clone Wars, all this stuff. And merchandising is what drove Star Wars at the beginning because it was for kids, right? And now everybody goes sees the movies. Everyone watches all the shows and subscribes to Disney Plus and all that. But the merchandise is what really got them rolling. I mean, the star, the um, lightsabers, the the ships, the they had so many properties or so many facets of their show and their movies that were marketable to kids. I mean, the lightsabers. I mean, who who wouldn't want a lightsaber as a kid? You know. I was strolling through yeah. Target over the weekend and even the toy section there the art the legos r2d2 uh, set was like 200 bucks i'm like oh my god yeah i want that well as i said i'm I'm a little bit older than you guys uh, so i grew up with these toys in the 80s when they first came out right i couldn't tell you how many times that uh i told mom hey i need more figures because i had a war with gi joe out in the (laughs) sandlot 
And I blew them up with M80s and black cats. <laughs> and, you know, and that was that was the thing. So you just go down to the store, you, you spend a couple of bucks, and you get a couple more figures to replace the ones that you that you blew up. We Of course, we took them out of the box and played with them. That's what they were for. You know, we didn't right. know anything. You know, hindsight, man, I wish I had, uh, you know, all of them and kept them all in the box. You ain't kidding. But, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, it's, uh, we... And they didn't really didn't do much for the lightsabers back at that time. Well, we right. had yeah. sticks. We yeah. cut off sticks and you know out of trees and started banging the sticks around, and we would color them with crayons or whatever to make it you know red or uh, blue or green or what you know any other color that we wanted. And you know it's uh, you know I had a friend that got injured because we were playing lightsabers and it broke off and hit himself in the eye. You know, I wasn't allowed to play with that kid anymore. But you know, it's uh, we were we had fun while we you know while we did. It's I think that's where the adage you know it's all fun and games till someone loses an eye. You know that's that definitely was the case. I, he he lost his eye and we but we had fun doing it. You know, it's just uh, you know it it, it was an all consuming thing when we were kids. And even growing up in the nineties, the lightsaber thing was not that big. Um, this is before they had all the cool light up sabers and stuff. And me and my cousins, man, we'd go out in our grandpa's yard in the garden and all that. And we'd get, we'd get beat up on, uh, by each other and then come back and, oh no, nothing happened. You know, you know we, we were just out there playing, mm. but, um, yeah, we had the same kind of thing going on. Um, I actually have a friend who, of course, he's, he's a lot older than I am. Um, probably about 15 years older than I am. So he was, he was a kid when Star Wars came out, right? And he has all the merchandise and he has some of those original, um, lightsabers and some, I, I don't know when they were released. It was sometime in the eighties, um, I think, but they, they were lightsabers and they had like the, uh, the little whistling sound. There was no electronics, but they had like mm-hmm. the, the holes cut out. So when you swung them, they had that shoom, shoom, shoom sound, right? But yeah. they... So cool, man. He he brought those out to me one day. I was like, dude, that is awesome. That is so great. And that just goes to show how much merchandising played a part in making Star Wars the money that it made, especially right at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And Mel Brooks, in his, his very um, blunt way, just hones in on that and just 100%. We got Spaceballs, the... The T-shirt, the the breakfast cereal, the flamethrower. It, it's one of the biggest jokes in the movie is the merchandising. I, I can I can appreciate it. I was say they they even made fun of it. Uh, you know, and you know, hey, we'll make you know, uh, could always be spaceballs too. The search for more money. You know, it's like, you know, what do you do when you need more money? Well, we'll throw out more toys. We'll make another movie, <laughs> That's and right. uh, you know, we'll get some more merchandise off of it. And yeah. Yeah, that is that is a good line in the movie. He, he asked Yogurt, "Will we ever see you again?" God willing, in Spaceballs Two, the search for more money. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> and I'm still waiting on uh, it. I love that line, Mel Brooks. Just, just put it out there, man. Put it out there. Uh, but these these were the funniest parts of the movies for me. Going forward, after this point with um with uh yogurt and all that it, it's still funny it's still great we still get some great moments but like the funniest moments are like right before this it's just like moment after moment of funny stuff we we learn about the schwartz and there's an upside and a downside of course the light and the dark and um 
Yogurt gives uh, Lone Star the ring. Lone Star has the necklace that Yogurt kind of, he knows what it says. And he's, <laughs> he, he's reading, he's going to hold you. And he's like, are you, are you translating that? And he's like, no, I got something in my throat. Uh, <laughs> but I, I can't tell you what it means, though. In, in true, in true, uh, uh, I guess, fantasy fashion, we, the, uh, the main character has to learn his worth by himself. Well, here's a, here's a fortune cookie. Yeah, here's, here's a fortune cookie. Just open it at the right time, right? Um, <laughs> I was gonna say like um so is the next scene when like they're like combing the desert? Yeah, when they're this is this uh, is yeah, the comb the desert. Part. That, yeah. Comb the desert. Tell them to comb the desert. We can't find them. President Scrooge tells everybody to comb the desert, and our guys are literally out there combing the desert with combs. Uh, we have two two guys with a comb. The next two guys have a comb. The next two guys have a pick, have an Afro pick. And you know they they go to those guys, man. <laughs> we found anything yet? <laughs> we ain't found. Sh- <laughs> it's so funny, man. And I hate I hate to bring up something so serious in a humorous movie, I guess. But um, man, I I just don't. I don't think that that would fly in today's culture. I don't think I don't think someone could make a movie with that joke in it. <laughs> That's just me. <laughs> there, there's quite a few jokes that are in this that I don't think you could make today. Right. Um, right. Um, the Druish. The, everyone, not without, the Druids. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a big thing. The Druids are just Jewish people. I mean, just straight up. Yeah. Doesn't look very Druish. Yeah. She, you know, she doesn't just, look Druish. And then we find out later that she had a nose job. <laughs> Like, it's funny. Like, I'm not going to say it's not funny, but the times that we're in, people don't usually go to that humor. They'll be called out for this or that. Um, It doesn't, I don't think it makes it any less funny. I just think that in today's climate, it just doesn't work. Agreed. Yeah. So now that we've, uh, we've had our, 30 second aside of the seriousness of space balls. Let's continue. Um, Princess Vespa is captured and uh, Dark Helmet and uh, Lone Star make their, their meet, right? Like we, we have them going to planet space ball and, and uh, searching for Princess Vespa kind of in the same way that uh, Han and Luke look for Leia in a new hope. <laughs> one of my fun, one of the, uh, one of the funniest parts of this little stretch is, they're coming into the uh, the cells, the uh, where they're keeping all the prisoners, and we hear oh, nobody yeah. knows <laughs> the trouble I see. Nobody knows but you. <laughs> it turns out Princess Vespa is the base. <laughs> Again, something that's not like the funniest thing in the world, but the timing is hilarious. Oh yeah, yeah. Because I mean, you, it just you you you, you keeps you on your toes. Uh, I guess is the best way to say it. It does. Yeah. Um, that you things know. you don't expect. Yeah. It, Cause my first thought was like, you know, is that a guard singing or what? Right. What, what is going on? And then it turns out, and it and it's heard. You're like, oh crap! Oh, all right. <laughs> 
All right. Yeah, it's hilarious. And then they, they save Princess Vespa and they go through the chase and there's the everyone's firing at one another. And then we have Lone Star and Dark Helmet finally make their uh, their their uh, standoff. The the downside versus the upside. And they both just display their Schwartz out there for everybody to see. <laughs> um, we all know the innuendo here, <laughs> right? Um, your sh- I don't. Can, could, could you could you explain it to me? Can I elaborate? Well, I will tell you this: um, <laughs> Lone Star Schwartz is just as big as Dark Helmet Schwartz. Oh. Your Schwartz is as big as mine. Um, I, I love it, man. I, I love seeing this scene. And we get the classic, um, I am your father's cousin's nephew's brother's former roommate, right? <laughs> what does that make us? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> I love it. And <laughs> they get their fight. They're fighting and yeah. they're getting into it. And <laughs> then the, the, uh, the, I guess the lightsabers, the Schwartz rings, whatever, whatever you want to call them, get twisted. They get t- tangled up. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's that's not my favorite part. <laughs> yeah, don't cross the swords. Don't don't cross the streams. And that just goes back to uh to um Rick Moranis being in in, in Ghostbusters. Don't don't cross the streams, right? Don't cross the Schwartz. <laughs> oh my gosh, such a great scene, mm. and it brings like all the seriousness of Luke versus Vader and Empire Strikes Back, but. It brings humor too. Like it, it just when they get down to it, it's slapstick, it's petty, it's just it's just funny stuff, man. Just the way that they they present a lightsaber fight, um, just going back and forth. I I love that scene, and it just gives such a lightheartedness to like the Luke Vader connection. Evil will always triumph because good is dumb. <laughs> Classic, classic line. <laughs> yeah, I know. And then they get out to the Winnebago, and they hand uh, Princess Vespa a gun. She's like, "Oh my god, what do I do with this?" They shoot at her, and it hits her hair. And they're like, "Oh my god, they shot my hair!" And she becomes Rambo. <laughs> <laughs> just pop, 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 pop. I mean, just some of the funniest action sequences. And this is probably. The least funny bit, though, the this stretch is like the least funny bit of the of the movie. Of course, this movie is based around humor, and it's still funny. I'm not going to say it's not, but it doesn't have the same punch as the first half of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> and, of course, we have to advance the plot. Yeah, I would agree. We have to advance the plot. Stuff has to happen. But the next funny part for me is when Spaceball 1 goes into, like, lockdown. It's code red. They're they're gonna... They're blowing the thing up. This is after, of course, they... Is this after they transform into the maid, I believe? Yeah, this is after. Yeah, yeah so they so. transform yeah. into the maid, suck up all the air out of um, Druidia, and they've been mm-hmm. made to put the air back at this point, if I'm not mistaken. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. Yeah, they, they've put the air back back into Druidia and now Spaceballs Spaceball 1 is going to explode and they're they're running, everyone's running Colonel Sanders, President Scrooge Dark Helmet's running to all these different places, they're getting to an escape pod people are lifting off, there's this random bear running through the spaceship 
I, there's, I, there's like this entire circus. Yeah, yeah the board. circus is on board. <laughs> like it's it's all this different stuff, and it's so random. And I don't. It, it really reminds me of like a Hanna Barbera cartoon <laughs> at this point. Um, classic Scooby Doo, or uh, yeah, yeah, Jabberjaw. Yeah. That that kind of that kind of comedy where. <laughs> Like they're just trying to find a way out. There's this and that and this obstacle, and then there's the the bear is the funniest part to me. Like it's just some dude in a bear suit mm-hmm. running around Spaceball One, and I don't know why it's funny. I don't, but it is. It it but it it, is. it's that yeah. It's, yeah it's that bear's wave as the pod takes <laughs> off. <laughs> oh man, uh, oh it's great stuff. Just great stuff, and. Of course, the the day is saved. Druidia gets their air back. Everyone's happy. Spaceball one explodes. Um, but then Lone Star and Barf are at the diner. They just don't know what to do. Oh man! Oh yeah, this is the alien parody. Oh yeah. yes. And and this is probably the the final moments of this movie kind of get back to that first half of the movie where it's just funny. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have spoof after spoof. Yeah. And in the diner, you got what, the special or the soup, right? You can have the special or you can have the soup. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. And then all of a sudden, the guy, he's just starting to, oh my God, I feel something. <laughs> hey, he not, said, not, not again. again. That's the same actor that's an alien. John Hurt. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Same actor. He's experiencing this all over again and out of nowhere. Hello, my baby. Hello, my honey. Hello, my raccoon gal. Send me a kiss by one. And for me and Wesley, I know that brings back like Looney Tunes. I'm sure for you too, DJ. I mean, that brings back uh, the uh, the frog from Looney Tunes, right? Just Oh, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And oh my gosh. It's it's like so random, but but hilarious. Um, I think we'll change to the soup. <laughs> Check, please. Check, please. Check, please. Check, please. Let's just get out of here. It, it's such great stuff. They get into uh, the Winnebago. They're they're going along, and finally, Lone Star realizes what his medallion says. Yogurt shows up to him. I believe I'm, I'm trying to remember now. It's been a couple weeks at this point since I've seen it. Um, But pretty much, Lone Star is a prince. Princess Vespa does not have to marry um, Prince Valium, who is the... He's hilarious, too. I know we didn't talk much about the the opening scenes of the movie, which were good, too. I mean, we're trying to hit the highlights, right, guys? We're trying to hit the highlights, not just go scene by scene. But uh, Princess Valium is all sleepy. He's like the side effects of the drug Valium, which is funny mm-hmm. in and of itself right and they, they make jokes about that throughout the movie when they're talking about him but uh, Lone Star realizes that he's a prince now and he has the swords and all this and he can marry Princess Vespa they get married and you know happy ending yeah uh, yeah this movie had a couple uh, or excuse me yeah this movie um, I think we skipped over a couple of things that I, I, I personally liked like I like how it broke the fourth wall several times 
You know what I mean? Like, um, like, like, oh, you captured our stunt doubles. Oh yeah, the stunt doubles. <laughs> or um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Turn around, Princess Vespa or, has a beard. When they, they were like, <laughs> mm-hmm. Or um, like when they're having like the Schwartz battle, like they run into like the the cast. Yeah, they or, run into the, the know, cameraman. The, what do you call it? Yeah, the yeah. cameraman. Yeah. <laughs> then, uh, but, uh, and just a small scene. One one of my favorite scenes was when Dark Helmet was playing with the little action figures. So yeah, that's <laughs> another scene that we that I, I'd like to talk about real quick. And and kind of winding down the conversation, that's another one of those Rick Moranis um, off-the-cuff improv moments where he's playing with the dolls, and he has Princess Vespa and Lone Star and himself, and he's playing in there, and, <laughs> oh, my God, no, do, do you want to kiss me, blah, 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 blah. And then Colonel Sanders walks in, he's like, oh, he hides <laughs> the dolls away. That That's hilarious. Yeah. Man. He came up with all of that dialogue himself. Uh, th- that was good. That- that's probably one of my favorite scenes in the movie, if not the- my favorite. <laughs> I mean, he just—it's yeah, great. It is the this whole movie, and we could spend all night just dissecting the movie and yeah. talking about all the funny parts. There are so many quick one-liners and jokes that are—I mean—they're half a second long. Like you could never quantify all of the jokes in this movie without having like a, a ten-hour podcast. I think. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's just one after another, yeah. subtle, not subtle, background. I mean, it's oh my gosh! Even when like Dot Matrix, they're in the the pod. Her and Vespa after Princess Vespa runs off from um Druidia, and she's talking about how he was just kind of the Prince Valium's kind of a drag. She don't love him or whatever, and and Dot's like, yeah, you could have a headache for two to four weeks or something like that. Just talking about like yeah, that's <laughs> such like a a niche joke. Like you'd have to think that like Valium could cause headaches or whatever. Like it's so in depth. You could go on and on with this movie about that kind of comedy. Yeah, yeah. The more I watch it, yeah. The more I watch it, there's the more things I pick up on, and I appreciate that. Now, and there's still another movie that they uh, spoof in this. And uh, that's after the Planet of the Apes. Yeah, after the ship blows yeah. up, the head of the meter maid, or not the meter maid, the uh, the, maid. the vacuum yeah. maid, uh, yeah, the, the lands on the beach, and they're crawling out of the nose, and you see the the apes ride up on horses, and it, <laughs> that's just, I mean, absolutely classic scene in a mm-hmm. movie, and it's just torn to shreds now. It's amazing. Yeah. There goes there the planet. Goes, there goes the planet. <laughs> and that is one of the best movies. I love Planet of the Apes. That is one of the original sci-fi movies that yeah. kind of put science fiction mm-hmm. on the map. And still still to this day, hey. I own all the original movies. The new ones are good. I, I, I love the new trilogy that they put out, the same yeah. stuff. But there's something about those, I agree. those first, what was it, five movies that are... And we're not going to talk about the 2000 re-release, but... um. The 2000 reboot, whatever. But um, those old movies are great. And that that homage to that sci-fi background. Because, I mean, without Planet of the Apes, could Star Wars have happened? Could Star Trek have happened? I mean, I guess, I don't know. Did Star Trek, I guess Star Trek did come out before Planet of the Apes, right? I, I don't know the top um, of my head. Yeah, I'm not sure think, the I'm not sure the dates. Timeline. I think, I believe Planet of the Apes was in the 60s. 
I don't know. They 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 happen around the right. same time. Um, but Planet of the Apes definitely had a part in that sci-fi movie thing because Star Trek was just a TV show, but Planet of the Apes were the movies that kind of put sci-fi on the map and in that in that field. I love those movies, and it was a great homage to that series. Yeah, absolutely. So winding down now, let's get to our our ratings at the end of this thing. We've had conversations. We've talked about our, our favorite parts, our funny parts. This whole movie is just scene after scene, just a gag reel in and of itself. Wesley, I'm coming to you, man. What do you give this movie now after talking about it? What do you give this movie out of 10? I'm going to hold tight at eight, man. Like I, I really enjoy this parody. Like, cause if you think about the time when this movie was released, like it's, I think it was really hard to do parodies. And I think this movie, I think Spaceballs just passes the test of time. Like, I think it's the humor still holds up today. Um, it had a lot of famous actors in it. Um, you know, just all the different spoofs of all the different movies, just the different levels of humor inside this movie. I, I, I appreciate this movie and it was a job well done. Eight out of 10. Yeah. I could agree with you on that. Um, the movie holds a place near and dear to my heart just because of the, the comedy of the different sci-fi uh, movies. It, it kind of spoofs on, right? Uh, you got playing the apes, star Wars, of course, the yeah. big one, Dune, you got the sand planets, you, you have alien, all these different movies are still popular movies. So it spoofs movies that are still popular today. So that makes Spaceballs relevant for today. So I think that's a good rating. DJ, what do you give Spaceballs out of 10? Give us an explanation. What do you think? All right. For me, I would say it is a solid, solid 7 out of 10 still. Uh, one nostalgia. Two, I know who the actors are. Um, I'm very familiar with uh, with the original movies that it's spoofing. Uh, the humor for me is right up my alley. Uh, so that's where I would rate it. Now, if I was someone that was had never seen it before, uh, relatively younger than uh, than I am, say even. 20 years say they're in their mid 20s and they were seeing it uh, i would say that they'd probably would get five out of ten uh just because some of the humor does not hold up uh to today's standards uh some of the cat or a lot of the cast other than maybe rick moranis a lot of people wouldn't know who they are uh, just because it's an older generation, they're, they're not making movies anymore. Uh, some of them might not even remember Bill Pullman from uh, Independence Day. Uh, so, uh, so I would say if I was to rate it as a person, you know, if they were to see it today for the first time, I'd say probably a five out of ten. Uh, a lot of the humor stays. Some of it probably wouldn't be as uh, as accepted, uh, but it's still a pretty decent overall movie. Yeah, I think that's fair. I do. I think that's real fair. And I get that. A lot of the the sights, the sounds, the the actors that were in it, like Bill Pullman. I remember Bill Pullman as um, the dad in Casper, um, 
the movie they made in the yeah. 90s. That's what I remember him <laughs> as because oh, yeah. <laughs> that, that movie was very popular when I was a kid. And he did a great job in that movie. I actually watched that movie recently and I was like, wow, that for the 90s, that was a great movie. <laughs> Um, but I see what you're saying, DJ. If if I was much younger than I am now, I would not know the actors of that movie as well as I do. Um, I consider myself a little bit of an older soul. I love older movies, and of course, like John Candy, Mel Brooks, Rick Moranis. Um, like I love the Ghostbusters. I love all that stuff. Planet of the Apes, like we were talking about, Alien. Those references are so thick in this movie and things that were going on in the 80s and things that even permeated in like the early yeah. to mid-90s, those themes are in this movie that are not necessarily things that kids would get today. Like, that are, I mean, kids that are just a little bit younger than I am would not get at all. And then that's a good point, Blake. I haven't considered that, like how how relevant that movie was at that time with all the other movies uh, at that time. Because um, we're watching this late nineteen nineties now, or early two thousands. This is the first right. time we've watched it, and we and could so, actually understand you know, it's just a different the humor a little bit, right? Because I mean, there's a lot, of course, yeah, you know, um, innuendo and and adult themes that we wouldn't really get as kids. No, yeah. I didn't. And of course, you watch it back as an adult and you get all those things. And kids today definitely wouldn't get a lot of those references, a lot of those jokes. So I think me and Wesley were kind of in that, that age range that still get the comedy of that movie. We understand the jokes and we think they're hilarious. <laughs> but kids, like I have a sister who's four years younger than I am and she likes the movie. She laughs at the movie. But some of those more niche um time kind of relevant jokes she doesn't get she just wasn't there for those jokes and i think that's fair i think it's real fair so for my rating it's hard man i'm i don't know i think i might bump up to 8 with wesley i think i think i'm going to go 8 i'm about to say do, do the, the right thing Blake. <laughs> think it through think it through um <laughs> I like this movie. It 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 brings back the nostalgia. It has the Star Wars element. It has the the classic sci-fi element. The jokes are on point. They're timed correctly. Even if you're not a product of that time period, a lot of these jokes are funny just on the timing and what happens. The the situations in this movie are just funny situations. Mm-hmm. And I can, I can see that holding up over time. It's held up over time for those of us who were there, and I think even younger people can enjoy the movie and think it's funny. They might not get all the jokes, but it holds up with all the other sci-fi classics because it spoofs those sci-fi classics. And I want to hold eight out of ten just because it did what it accomplished, or excuse me, it accomplished what it wanted to. It wanted to make people laugh. It did that. It wanted to spoof classic sci-fi movies, um, Star Wars, which is a huge deal at the time that it was made, and it succeeded. So I think Mel Brooks did what he wanted to do, accomplished the things he wanted to with this movie, and I'm giving it an 8 out of 10. This might be the first time being you tied on a score. It might be. It might be the first time. It might be the last time. <laughs> <laughs> so let's 
throw it over to the Grandmaster Jedi himself, Yoda, for the word of the week. There is more knowledge here than anywhere else in the galaxy. Hmm. Chris, the word of the week is. <laughs> so, Master Yoda, Ludacris, we see a Dark Helmet go to ludicrous speed. That's past light speed, that's past um, even ridiculous speed, according to uh, the speedometer they have there on Spaceball 1. How fast exactly is ludicrous speed? Can you tell us that? Hmm. The reaches of ludicrous speed I cannot attest to. Very fast it is. <laughs> Faster than even uh, the Millennium Falcon? How, how many parsecs do you think the Kessel Run would take in ludicrous speed? Hmm. Calculations I must do. Hmm. 1.5 parsecs it would take. <laughs> well, Master Yoda, you're just going to make the Star Wars fandom mad because parsecs, of course, we all know is not units of distance, it's units of time. Whatever whatever you want to put out there to, to make everyone complain um, about that. But, uh, no, man, uh, what do you think of Spaceballs? What do you think of Yogurt, uh, Master Yoda? He's He's pretty much just you. But not. Mm. The Schwartz. Powerful the Schwartz is. <laughs> Love it, I do. My Schwartz is very big. Is, is that right, Master? <laughs> yes, very big. I didn't know you practiced the Schwartz. Yes, Yogurt and I. Conversations we have. Just <laughs> me in size, do you? Yeah, Master, you're the... Uh, I, I guess we can't judge you by your size. Hmm. That size matters not. All right, I think that is a good place to uh, end the episode. Um, don't want to get any more detail about that. This has been another great episode of Dork Wars, the podcast. I'd like to thank DJ for, for coming on at last minute. We had a big change of plans, and he really came through for us. Thank you very much, DJ. Absolutely. It was my pleasure. Anytime you need it, I'm here for you. You know, it do doesn't matter if it's uh, five minutes or five hours. I'm willing to come on. I'll tell you what, man, do do not do not say that out loud. We might get you out here every week. You're that good. It was good to have conversation with you. You're good, man. Yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. We'll have to do it again. And I think May the 4th, we'll do a live. We're going to do a live on May the 4th. Talk about Kenobi. I think I think the time will be right then. Um, like always, check us out on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, everywhere you find your podcast. We're probably there. Thank you. And may the force be with you. Thank you for supporting Dork Wars, the podcast. You can check us out on Facebook.com forward slash Dork Wars, the podcast. And if you would like to join in on the discussion or maybe suggest topics for us to discuss, please do so by joining our Discord community or sending us an email at dorkwarspodcast at gmail.com. This has been a It's a Flying Winnebago production.